Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. So the last couple of years, we've had a little bit of a low water year, and I've noticed a lot of those deer, particularly the bucks, they'll bed right on that transition to the river bottom and the ridge. They'll get up out of their bed and feed a little bit on the grasses, and then they'll use the ridge to go up and feed on acorns in the evening. So like hunting that transition right there. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I dialed down. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle V. What's up, y'all? Welcome back for another episode of the Ozark Podcast. You've got Kyle Veet on the mic, as always. And, uh, man, it's a good day. I was just watching some college football. Um, that's always a sign that that hunting season is is soon to follow. And it's just a good time of year. And so with me today, I'm also excited because we've got Zach Shermer of Hunting the Ozarks uh, on the podcast with us today. He's got an awesome YouTube page, awesome YouTube channel. There's a lot of stuff out there about hunting big buck states like Iowa, um, Idaho, Kansas, all these all these states up in the Midwest. And so um, to find some creators here in the Ozarks, some fellow creators is always exciting. So, um, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Uh, excited to, to have you on. Yeah, man. Super fitting, right? The Ozarks podcast, hunting the Ozarks YouTube channel. Oh, man. Hey, Woo Pig Suey. Woo Pig Suey, too. <laughs> Woo Pig Suey, man. We got it all, man. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's, it's fun. We actually, I, I haven't got to talk to a whole lot of folks who live in Missouri, um, like the Missouri Ozarks. And so anytime we get to expand up into Missouri is nice because the Ozarks, obviously they, they're not just in Arkansas and mm-hmm. just because, you know, we're from here, a lot of times we focus on that, but it's, it's nice to, to find a, a, a fellow hog up in <laughs> Mizzou country. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm excited to chat with you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with maybe you just want to tell folks like what hunting the Ozarks is, how you got started with that, kind of why you started the page and and just give a little bit of background on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So hunting the Ozarks were mainly just I focus a lot of my attention just on the YouTube page. And uh, I started the YouTube page actually right after college i went to u of a like you said i'm from uh southwest missouri grew up in ozark missouri and um finished school in fayetteville but anyways right out of school i got a job Uh, i got a good job as a sales job up in sioux Falls, south dakota that was the territory they stuck me in (laughs) dude that's a long way from home yeah dude it was uh it was brutal like going from fayetteville to the, literally the winter the, I was there for a year and that that one winter I was there was like negative 50 for a couple of days in a row I was like oh my god this is brutal dude. negative yeah. 50 like five wind chill. yeah wind chill yeah I don't even know what that feels like it That's doesn't crazy. feel good like they were saying on the radio like <laughs> no exposed skin for more than 10 minutes or you can get frostbite so it was uh yeah it was a Jeez. shock but yeah anyways it was a good experience for me um that was about 2013 and uh 
Yeah, so I was up there for a year, and I guess a couple good things that came out of that. One is I knew probably like within the first couple months I wasn't meant to have like a normal nine to five gig, you know. And uh, and secondly was just having a lot of free time on my hands because I didn't really know a lot of people there except for you know my work friends or whatever. So I bought a I bought a little like public land map when I first got up there because I wanted to hunt. You know, I never get to hunt pheasants. So I was like, I'm in the best pheasant country, you know, in the United States. So I'm going to hunt them and I need to find areas. Is that what they're known for up there? Yeah. Just incredible. The pheasants are amazing. Yeah. Like I'd go out and shoot my limit with no dogs on public land. Just pick like a piece of public and walk it and shoot a limit of pheasant. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, it was cool. So I bought that map and I would just, you know, I traveled most of the state for work. I was a salesman and I would like pick out an area where I knew I'd be finishing up my day and have a change of clothes and just go scout around a public or whatever, go fish or hunt, whatever. Yeah. And um, also I bought a little point and shoot cannon. Uh, I had no business running a camera at the time, but I wanted to just kind of take some photos and videos and stuff of living in South Dakota because I knew it wasn't going to last long. But yeah, um, with that camera, I shot a uh, a Merriam turkey. They have a bow season up in South Dakota for turkeys. It's like earlier okay. before shotgun. And I yeah. self-filmed myself, killed this Merriam at like 10 steps with no blind. And it like Dude. came, yeah, it just came into my decoy. I was probably about to fight the decoy. And I just, you know, he was right there. It was really cool. <laughs> So I had all your first time like self filming a hunt. Yeah, yeah, dude. And you got one on Mm -hmm. on camera. Yeah, after work too. I pulled up to the excuse me. I pulled up to the the public land. There was like a cornfield that was private that was bordered the public and the road. And I was driving in on the cornfield after work, and I saw him. I saw a group of birds right on the edge of the cornfield on the public, which was timber. And I was like, oh, there's got to be a long beard. So I looped around, (laughs) took my suit off put all my camo on, dipped in the woods a little bit and got where I thought they were and snuck a, you know, I crawled out into a little opening and stuck a decoy and just called and he came up. Like, those birds are dumb, dude. Like, it's nothing like hunting birds here. They're dumb. Yeah. They're dumb up there. But anyways, I had all this footage and I was like, I didn't know what to do with it all, so I had an iPad and I just kind of tinkered around with editing the video and I made this video and sent it to my friends. They're like, dude, this is sick. Like, you need to, like, put this on youtube or whatever it's a terrible video by the way <laughs> like it's super like rudimentary edits it you still have it on the channel yeah dude it's the very first uh that's why that's the start of honey nose arcs was okay, that was gotcha. the first video i posted and i <laughs> i named the channel honey nose arcs and <clears throat> the rest of that hunting season like into the fall while I was still living in south dakota i'd come home and hunt with my buddies and okay me and my best friend nate and levi who are on the channel often still to this day um, every time I came home, we would just film ourselves like deer hunting, turkey hunting, like whatever we could. And then we started buying better and better equipment and like just posting these videos. And it was fun, man. Like it was just a lot of fun and it was a lot of learning for me. And I knew like when I first edited that turkey hunt, I was like, man, I got to figure out a way that I can make like photography videography like some kind of career like i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'm not meant for this nine to five you know so i gotta figure this out and i ended up moving home after that one year in south dakota i had to keep a job for another two years to pay the bills i wasn't quite ready to take the leap of faith and start something on my own and then yeah sure 
you know, in that time frame, I got a couple mentors that kind of pointed me in the direction to like, Hey, this is how I started. And, um, you know, one of those was like shooting real estate, shooting, um, uh, weddings and just basically shooting whatever you can for money. And yeah, uh, right. Just trying to get some experience too. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. How to work the camera. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the YouTube, the early days in the YouTube channel helped out a lot too. And honestly, they still help out today. Cause it's like, you know, it's a lot of work and I don't, it just gets your mind working in different ways. But anyhow, um, so once I was home, it was another two years. And then I started my business right before I got married to my wife in 2016. I quit my job and started open house media, which is a little production company, you know, photography business I have. Uh, I basically just self-employed myself, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I still run that business today. Uh, mostly shoot, you know, real estate. I work with some marketing firms. We do a lot of, uh, a lot of like website rebuild stuff and I shoot content for that. And then, you know, a year or so after I was married, um, oh, and I also have my real estate license now too. So anyone in Missouri looking for buying some land or something, holler at me. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, shameless plug, yeah, man. Shameless like plug, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, the, like right after I got married that first, you know, year or two that I had my business, one of my mentors was needing some help shooting some stuff. And, uh, okay. he called me and we hit the road and shot a lot of cool stuff around the country, like hunting type content. That was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah. You were, you were telling me you actually got to travel, travel around quite a bit and, and, um, shoot some cool, some films, some, some photography for some pretty big names. Like you mentioned Mossy Oak, Silencer Co, Realtree. Yeah. What was that like? It was, a, it was a fun experience. So it was probably 20 17 to 19 that stretch before we started having kids that I was traveling a lot and my buddy he he runs Slayton Glass um his name's Nathaniel he he does killer killer work like okay. super high end films and he's the brains behind all he hired me as like a second shooter on all these shoots but I mean I literally went from in a three-year stretch, anywhere from Delaware all the way to, like, Northern California blacktail hunting and anywhere in wow. between for, like, I mean, I was living in airports. It was a really unique experience, and we were shooting, you know, we did stuff, like you said, for uh, Mossy Oak, and he, he does a, a lot of Mossy Oak stuff now, but uh, real we, we tried some stuff with some Realtree. Um, Silencer Co. was a huge... Uh, uh, get for his company so yeah it was cool man like got to meet a lot of interesting people and like visit a ton of ranches sure. and meet guides and you know watch dogs run after black bears in new mexico like it was wild man it was cool oh man yeah that is cool what the uh i'm sure did you ever get to like do any actual hunting or were you pretty much like the whole time like behind the camera just working the lens and and doing that or did you actually get to get out and do some of this stuff too uh, pretty much mostly filming. Uh, there was yeah. a couple times I got to like, like we did like a pheasant hunt or something where I got to shoot something and, uh, we got to like, we did like a fishing deal too. And I got to fish a little bit on that. So mostly, okay. mostly work, but it was still fun. I mean, dude, I mean, talk about work. It was like, I mean, yeah. it is a lot of work like physically. Cause a lot of those shoots are like, you know, six something days. And it's, it's not like a hunter where when you're done hunting, you just clean your gun and you go to bed. Like I've got, right. 
I've got, he had red cameras. I don't know if you're familiar with a red camera. That's like, uh, it's like what stuff you see on like Netflix is shot with. So like these big bulky, they shoot, they take a bunch of data. So like we had like terabytes of footage we'd have to drop every night on SD cards that take forever. And then we'd have to format the cards and make sure everything was charged. So it's a lot of work. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Oh but, yeah. But it was fun, yeah. man. It's, it's a young man's game <laughs> that traveling. Yeah, man. You said like living in an airport and traveling. Yeah. Is, like that, that sounds fun getting to go to all those places, but I'm sure there were times where you're like, man, I just, I want to be home. Yeah. I just want to get back. Well, now it's a little bit different now. Like I got two kids at home and I still do a little traveling, um, but not near as much. And he's, yeah. he's hired a bunch of people now, so he's killing it. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's better kind of staying a little bit closer to home when you got kiddos. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. What was, what was one, like one of your favorite memories or favorite hunts or kind of excursions y'all did kind of during that time? We did, um, we did a hunt in, uh, probably that one. Well, there's kind of two of them. One of them, we did a hunt on a, uh, Indian reservation in Yakum. Uh, what the heck was it called now? It was Washington state. Okay. I think it's Yakima. Don't. If anyone from that area happens to be listening to an Ozark <laughs> podcast, I'm sorry, I'm butchering that name. But they yeah, were right. they were really cool dudes. I don't even think nobody we, around here knows yeah. how you're supposed to say it, so you're good. Yeah, they were cool, and it was just a unique experience. That was like the first like mountain hunt I got to film, and you know, snow, and it was cool. And I don't even think we filmed an elk getting killed, but we had really close encounters, like bulls screaming in our face, and they just weren't good enough. But it was cool, man. And oh, then. Cool. Um, that bear hunt in New Mexico, I believe that was, I believe that was for Silencer Co. Yeah, we were filming an NBA dude that just got into hunting, and in the yeah. NBA like basketball guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, George. Gosh, see, dude, my memory's gone. Anyways, <laughs> it was great. It was New Mexico. He had just got into hunting, and um, I think he had bought some land in Texas too. So he was like super stoked about this hunt, but we filmed him. We, it was a dog hunt in New Mexico for bears. And the mm. guide that we had, I think he worked with, um, with the state department or something in that area to tag in the off season. So I guess you can only work your dogs like partial of the year. You can't just okay. like train your dogs all year chasing bears, but he yeah. had the benefit of being able to chase or something. So his dogs were like, like studs like they they picked up everything and it was just wild to see like we were driving through the mountains of new mexico like by the colorado border and his dogs are like hanging off the back you know i don't know how they're hanging on and like they're just catching tracks of bears that have crossed the road that's it and they're hanging oh, on they're the like back picking the up scent from the truck yeah from the back as y'all are cruising yeah wow yeah and they would just start arr, arr, you know and he's like oh that's a bear and then sometimes, well, the funny thing is sometimes they'd mark a skunk and we'd watch him run up a hill and he'd be like, damn it, that's a skunk. We can see him. Like, we could see the skunk running up the hill, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, no. And they got into a couple skunks and it was bad. But anyways, he oh, did. Yeah. That one, he got a bear and then uh, he killed an antelope too, which is really cool. So the antelope was kind of in the plains, um, but the mountains, when we were in the mountains, it was for the black bear. And he, yeah. he got it yeah. down on a bear too. Man, that's cool. I would love to see the, like, I, I love just any any time I've I've gotten to be like around dogs, like working dogs, and seeing how they work and how like their handler kind of trains them and and like communicates with them. 
Super impressive. I, oh, I, yeah. I think that'd be a really cool experience. Did he just kind of turn them loose and then and then keep uh, up with them? Oh, yeah. It's why I, uh, I don't know how many of them have G- GPS tags or whatever, but at least yeah. one of them had GPS tags. They all kind of like pack up together, you know, and yeah. he just let them loose. And, you know, the first couple that we so whenever the whenever the dogs get up on the bear, the bear typically climbs a tree to like get okay. away from the dogs, you know? Yeah. So like he'll be sit he was sitting there like looking at his GPS and you'd just watch him like on his thing, like track, and you can kind of hear him and they'd get further and further away. And then whenever the GPS thing it looked like they'd stop, that means the bear's probably treed. So yeah, then we would just him. walk to the pen, you know? Yeah. Man, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I don't I don't think you can do that everywhere. Like uh, I'm not sure that you can use dogs to chase like bear in, in Arkansas. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I know some of that stuff that we hunt in Arkansas, there are bears. Like that's been like a bucket list thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the uh, one of the co-hosts of the show, Kyle Plunkett, he got it. He got his first bear. Well, actually, he got his second bear last year. First bear, like intentionally going after it and like baiting it and going through all the all the the process of it. Um, Super cool story. We we had an episode on that early on, like two or three way back when we first got started. But um, man, it's cool. Like that's hard. Just like my dad drew the Missouri tag. This was the first year in forever that Missouri had bear hunting, and my dad got lucky to uh, to draw. And he was like, "I don't think you could bait Missouri." And yeah, no, you couldn't bait Missouri. And he never even like got on one at all. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's definitely if you can't bait from what from what I hear and like the way I understand it, if you can't bait, it's pretty tough like to find them. You just got to really know your stuff. But if you can bait like on private land, if you're hunting private land, um, there's there's rules obviously behind it. But yeah. it definitely helps a lot. Like we, have oh, I'm sure, on camera. Yeah, that's something I'm just not well versed in. But I really, I don't know. It's something I'd be interested in. Like I said, the the lake that we hunt in Arkansas there. We did have a buddy that saw one in the stand, but I think in Arkansas, isn't it, they do like a quota system, correct? Yeah, right. Because I typically call in like before I go hunt, like what's the quota at in this county? And it usually fills up pretty quick. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, you're yeah you're supposed to call in and, and check the quota like before you go each each day. Um, so it's, it's usually, it's an early season game because yeah. it, it does kind of fill up. Um, what's the... What's like the um, the legality of like <laughs> if you don't call in you kill one it's full. That's a you good know? question. I actually don't know. I'm I'm sure there's probably like cuz if you think about it like let's say you were two away from the quota and then right you know at any given day you got maybe 100 people out there chasing yeah. bears and let's say two or three kill one like you're going to kind of go over. So I don't there's got to be some kind of like wiggle room there cuz yeah. There's no way you could control that. Like once you're out in the stand, you're not gonna call in like the quota yeah. numbers. So right. I don't know. That's a good question. That's it. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, It'd be hard to pass up if one walked onto the stand. <laughs> like oh, if man. you checked and it was like, oh, there's, you know, like say you checked on a Friday and it's Saturday evening and one walks behind the stand. There's like ten, ten left that could be killed. You're like, boy, that'd be hard to pass up. Oh yeah, there's no, uh, be, there's no chance, man. You're you're taking that <laughs> shot. You, I bet it's actually now that you say that. I, if I had to guess, I would think that you'd be covered within like 
the next day. So like if you called on a Friday and it wasn't met, you're probably good like for the for the following day. Hours or something. Yeah, yeah, for 24 hours until you would have actually be able to like call in again cuz there's there's no like there's really no way that you'd be able to keep track right. of that. But that's just my guess. That's an educated guess. Yeah. Follow the rules, everyone. <laughs> well, yeah. Make sure you look up the rules before you yeah. go. If you're going to go do anything, check it, check yeah. out the rules before you go. Um, but well, that's cool, man. I, it, it sounds like you had some cool some cool memories and getting to travel the country and and go do some stuff like that. Um, I'm sure you've you've got some good stories that you kind of hold on to, and, and that's like that was a big part of like getting you into into your career and like getting you started and getting you more comfortable like working behind the camera and has kind of set you up for like what you're doing now today, right? Yeah. So it just I learned obviously a ton in that time frame um from like storytelling. Like most of the films that we were doing, uh like I was saying before we started recording, we were chatting about it a little bit. It, it was kind of like the brains of the operation was my buddy Nathaniel, but it was it was very like Yeti, gosh, Yeti film esque uh, type shoot. So like story driven with like interviews of a subject. Like yeah, we were shooting for brands, but it wasn't. We weren't trying to just like. It's not like my YouTube channel where it's like really focused on the hunting, obviously. Because yeah. in my opinion, YouTube is a little bit more of a. Uh, you know, I feel like people go to YouTube to be. Um, to educate themselves. Right. And it with it, and I guess the way I take the the approach I take on my YouTube channel is, uh, you know, a little bit of education with some like, with I try to do some nice as much cinematic type stuff you can self filming. It's really hard, but yeah. Um and uh you know a little bit of entertainment if you know like something funny like last year opening day I launched my boat and <clears throat> my um the strap that goes on the head of your boat as you're, you know, that you crank your boat up on. Yeah. The, right. the hook. Yeah. The hook came off my boat as I was backing it in. Oh, and no. when I, yeah, I was by myself. And when I got it backed in, my boat started floating down the river. So I had to jump in <laughs> after it. And I, I luckily had it on camera. So like I'll edit like on just a little GoPro. So I'll edit that stuff in the video just to, I don't know. It's because yeah. it's truthful. Like I'm trying to be authentic, you know, and like just be myself on and try to show everything too. But, Anyways, uh, you know, we were doing a little bit more, uh, you know, story-driven content on those on those shoots where you're trying to tell a story of a subject. Like I said, the NBA guy, like, you know, we were trying to draw out, like, what got you into hunting? Like, you right. live in cities, you play basketball, like, what got you into hunting? And yeah. I just want to hear that story, you know? Right. And, <clears throat> and then we would kind of use the hunts as, like, B-roll footage, you know, okay. like, cool you know, cool slow motion walking with a gun where, you know, you might happen to see the silencer on the gun because it was a silencer go shoot. Yeah. So like branded that way. It was, right. you know, right. it wasn't like the stuff you see on the outdoor channel, which I really dislike. Yeah. Where it's just in your face. <laughs> it's a dying industry. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, you can't kill a buck unless you spray our clothes down with sin away. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, you can. I have gasoline on my boots because I ride a boat in and I still kill deer. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I digress on that. But yeah, so th- those were, so I learned a lot in that process. And, you know, I, t- I took a lot of that stuff into the channel and, and my business I still run now. Like, you know, the real estate shoots are pretty cut and dry. Like, I've, I've got that down pat. I've probably shot thousand real estate you know properties listings but 
Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the a lot of the marketing stuff that I do with some marketing firms, it's, um, you know, I take a lot of that experience that I learned from Nathaniel. He's a mentor of mine and how to set up interviews, how to set up audio and, you know, right. all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. How to draw out what you're looking for on interview. So Yeah, absolutely, man. That's cool. So let's let's start let's talk kind of some of the the way you shoot your your hunts and kind of your style now you mentioned like you, you try to be authentic um you're mostly now kind of like where do you hunt is hunting in the ozarks you kind of cover a lot of different um, yeah. areas and a lot of what you do is actually like boat in access hunting you're you're hunting around lakes which i think is unique because you know, I've I see some of that on YouTube. I see some other people doing that, but I don't know anyone who who does that myself. And um, there's a lot of like, if you go around the Ozarks, there's actually quite a bit of water um, and and public yeah. land surrounding. Like I know on the other side of Beaver Lake and around Norfolk Lake, like there's a couple pockets of of public land. So um, it's cool that you that you kind of go you know gravitate yeah. towards that, and that's like your your style. Yeah. So it's not like something we grew up doing. Like we were fortunate growing up. My dad had purchased a farm like 20 years ago and uh, it was great being able to hunt that. But in the same sense, and I've kind of told this to my dad too, it's like, I enjoy the process of trying to find areas where deer live on public. I don't like, I don't like focus in on a deer that I've never like focused in on any kind of kind of particular deer. I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of like, okay, I found a unique area that I don't think human beings are going to be in okay. because it's hard to get to. And I want to learn how deer are used in this particular area. And typically when I get away from where the human beings are, there's going to be deer there. It's just figuring out, like dissecting how they're going to use it, where the mm-hmm. bucks are, where the what, how are the does using it, where the bucks bedding, whatever. Um, so part of that, it, so in high school, one of our buddies had a boat. And we used to boat in duck hunt and that's where we kind of had the idea of like, I always wanted to get a little flat bottom boat because my buddy had one. And whenever I moved back from South Dakota, I ended up buying a boat and used it more for like fishing and stuff like that. And then some of my buddies uh, that live in Arkansas, they bought a lake house on a lake down in Arkansas and they started boating hunting. This was probably like five, six years ago. And I was like, well, why don't I do that? I was like yeah. from two, you know, anywhere in any direction, two hours of my house, I can get to like one, two, three, four, probably like six lakes, like massive lakes. Wow. Like yeah. five or six lakes somewhere in that range. And with a daunting amount of public land surrounding it, cause they're all core of engineer lakes. Right. Yeah. So it just only makes sense that why wouldn't I use this boat that I have sitting in my garage to go find deer? Yeah. You know, instead of parking in parking lots where you're going to run into everyone. And that's kind of where that spurred from my buddy using it down in Arkansas. And I kind of took that into Missouri and, you know, I still go down to Arkansas half the year almost to hunt with them. Um, but yeah, it's like with so much, Missouri's a great public land state and Arkansas really like it's a really, really good public land state. There's a ton of, a ton of it available. A lot of it's just hard to get to and a boat, even the the lake I spend most of my time on in Missouri, even with the boat, it's not like it's not like it's like the spots I'm getting to are easy. Like the mm-hmm. first like boat in buck that I actually killed using the boat in Missouri, I still had to hike like almost a mile to get to where I was hunting. 
And that really? was boating in. Yeah. From where you parked the boat. Yeah. Wow. And it's like through some river bottom crap, like grass that's like chest high. And yeah. You know, that that wasn't the whole mile. You know, it's like you break through the river bottom and then you get into an opening and there's like a little trail or whatever. And then you get in some timber and then, yeah. So it's not like it's easy to get to a lot of these spots, but that's kind of been my MO is just kind of getting where humans aren't. And the boat just helps me access those areas. Yeah. When you say you like had to, you know, hike in a mile from where you kind of parked the boat, are you, are you intentionally going far enough to where you're like, I know I'm in a spot where people aren't, or are you going to like features that you've kind of scouted and you've you've found via satellite or, or kind of, what what makes you want to go hike that additional mile even from a, a boat in access? Right. So that's a good question because this particular spot I'm talking about, it's still like one of my favorite spots. And when I'm talking about hunting an area, this is a perfect example because <clears throat> I found this area. It's it's like a flashing light on Onyx. You know, it looks like a huge soybean field and it's covered in public land. So it's okay. like, and it's right off the river. So I find it that way, this particular river bottom. And I scout it in 2018, get some footage. My wife was with me on that scout too. Get some footage of some absolute freaks coming out, like in July, like studs, dude. And the first time I hunt it, I hunt the edge of the bean field, which is like right up from the boat, essentially, you know. Like why not? And then all I see during season is does in the field. I'm like, well... I know what I just saw a couple months ago. Where are they at? So I just keep diving in a little bit deeper. And that next year, I was scouting across the river, and it was raining. And I was like, well, across the river is where I'd scouted last year, so I'm going to go in a little bit deeper this year. And then I start finding some deer. And that was just a little bit deeper than I was last time. And it's like I finally got on deer. It was probably like 2019, 2020 that I finally, like, got into a particular area that was a pretty good clip from the boat. Um, and I started like getting on some, I almost killed a decent buck that, that hunt. I wasn't even in my stand yet and he was walking right behind me. But anyways, Oh man. And I only hunt that area a couple times a year cause I don't want to bo- booger it up. But yeah. I, st- I finally dialed it in. I think it was 20. It might've been 2020 that I killed that, buck. whatever, you get my point. It started in 2018. I kind of just found this area that I yeah. knew there was deer in. Yeah. And I just yeah. figured out like, okay, well, when the water is high one year and the river bottom is covered in water during the growing season, then that river bottom isn't as tall as it typically is. So the deer are going to bed on the ridges because mm-hmm. there's no cover. But whenever the water is receded into the actual river during the growing season and the grass has the ability to grow tall, a lot of those deer like to bed in that river bottom because it's okay. real thick cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the right. last couple, yeah. So the last couple of years, we've had a little bit of a low water year, and I've noticed this isn't like hundred percent, but I've noticed a lot of those deer, particularly the bucks, they'll bed right on that transition to the river bottom and the ridge, mm. and they'll okay. use they'll use the ridge. They'll they'll get up out of their bed and feed a little bit on the grasses, and then they'll use the ridge to go up and feed on acorns in the evening. Right. So, like hunting that transition right there, okay. you know what I mean? That's kind of what I dialed down on that, and I'm and like that's just one particular area, and that's kind of one tactic or something that I've been using. 
um, is kind of hunting that transition between it's, it's no, it's no different than hunting the hills in Arkansas. It could be a transition between a pine thicket and an open timber. Right. And let's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. You're looking say, for the transitions, the interior edges, things yeah, like that. It's, it's all the same. Like, yeah. it, and in the hills, I'm looking for saddles. And then if there's a cedar thicket next to a saddle and, and it's open timber, I'm going to sit right by the cedar thicket, right by the cedar thicket and the open timber in the saddle. And there's mm. probably going to be deer there. Yeah. So it's no different. You know, it's just kind of finding how they're using it. Yeah. So let me unpack that because so yeah. you so you started like that that particular spot. You started, you scouted it, you, like you put up cameras, I assume, and, and you were just kind of keeping an eye no. on the area. Or, no, you actually like put eyes on some some big deer while you yeah. were out there. Okay. And so you know there's big deer in that area. And then you hunt, but you're not seeing the same deer. You're not seeing the quality that you had seen. So you just kind of start pushing back. Like you, you kind of put your, I, I guess, detective hat on a little bit, and you're like, I know they're here. I just got to go back a little bit further and find them. Do you think yeah. that was because it was like that bean field was so close to the like the river that other people were hunting it and those like older, more mature bucks just kind of knew that that was an area that, that they needed to stay away from. And that was, that's part of your philosophy of like getting away from where people might be. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I ran into someone actually trying to, uh, walk up on that bean field one time while I was hunting it. Um, and, and just as right off the bat, like I'm not like a big mature buck killer. I've killed some really good deer, but okay. like on public land, like I'm shooting the first, you know, <laughs> two year old rack buck that walks in front of me. Cause I work my ass off to get the spots and I want to kill something. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Ozark in me, man. So oh, dude, I'll I'm just the same way, that, man. Yeah. I'm the same I'll way. Just, if I, if I see a nice buck, he's getting, he's getting got. Yeah. Which is bad, but you know, whatever. I work hard to get to those spots and find those spots. But anyways, yeah, yeah. To break that down, yeah, like I just assume, just I, I, I don't really like to hunt fields on public, just because those are like, uh, you know, when I first started that, like that's like the flashing light on Onyx. Like, hey, look, there's a huge giant bean field right by a river. Yeah, y- you know what I mean. It's like. Right. Oh yeah, everyone's gonna hunt that. Like, there's no bucks that are gonna come out there in daylight. And if they yeah. are, like, it'd probably be very rare. Right. Like during the season, those deer aren't dumb. Um. So yeah, and I just kind of worked that back. And and like the the that next year when I worked in a little bit further, I started actually seeing like the real buck sign, like nice rubs and mm-hmm. and you know a lot of buck turds and doe poop and you know tracks everywhere and i'm like okay these deer are using this ridge some way i just don't know how yet yeah. and i haven't gone in far enough yet to figure out how they're using it but i just kind of kept going until i've somewhat figured it out you know yeah yeah and you mentioned you you kind of you really don't use a whole lot of cameras to to scout and do you leave up no. cameras and like through the season or anything no 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 i don't really mess with it yeah yeah they i mean they're they're it's like uh, cameras are great for for a lot of reasons but my my father-in-law he's big on some people like rely so heavily on cameras that they won't hunt a spot because they're like oh well there's no there's no deer on my camera and um and he's like you know like if you got deer sign like there's deer there there's no reason that you shouldn't go there and like check it out for yourself they could be walking five feet behind the camera and they're just they're on the wrong side yeah so 
So I mean, yeah, I, it's not that I don't believe in. I think cameras are great. I just like in in my perspective, it's like okay, if I go put out a camera, <clears throat> let's go. Let's say like I pick a random spot that I've never been before on this public, which I try to do every year, like find a new spot, and I put a camera out. Well, typically, just getting in there, it's going to be a bear, <clears throat> like just to put it up. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound super lazy, but it's like it's super hard just to get in there to put it up, and then. I don't have remote. I, I guess I could buy like remote cameras, I suppose that will send me photos, but it's like, am I, I don't have any of those cameras. So I've got to go back in to check it. Right. And if I go back in and use all that effort just to check it and there's nothing there, then I don't hunt it. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to waste all that time. Like yeah. I could go find something where I could ha- like find good sign and be like, well, there's probably deer here and then yeah. hunt it. Like I usually try to find like a new spot or a new area every year. And that that I find like either in season scouting or I, I typically try to go up like once or twice a summer. I haven't this year with our second kid, mm-hmm. um, but <clears throat> I usually try to go in to a new area at least once a year and like that I've seen sign before that I've never hunted and just try to figure like I might spend a hunt and try to see like see if I see anything. And if the sign's really good and I don't see anything, I'll revisit it. But if I do see something, then I just maybe go in further, or like just I just try to dissect that area yeah. in a year and not overhunt it either, because okay. there's so much land you can hunt. It's you know it's hard to it's hard to just hyper focus on one particular area. Yeah, no, it is. I know what you mean. Have you found like the the way that you kind of gravitate towards like the boat in access and and like hunting around lakes? Has that kind of become like your preferred way to hunt just because of the way that like, do you feel like you're able to get away from people better? Because it sounds like it's, it is kind of like it, it is, it does take more effort. Like you got to back in a boat, you got to like have all the gear, keep it in the boat. You're, I mean, that just sounds like a lot harder to do than, than just hiking in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It is. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of times, like, if I find a spot, like, last year, I, I I have the video up, like, one of the last hunts I did last year, I had a stud, like, walk, I hit a tree with my arrow, it was bad, but <laughs> I found that area boating in, and it was, like, right by the launch. I, I've passed it for years, yeah. never even, like, considered it, and when I sat there, um, I probably, I think in a... 24 hour period i saw i think i saw three actual mature bucks like three and a half year olds or older and i should have killed one of them he was right there i just shot the tree (laughs) it was getting pretty dark yeah but and i got it all on camera it was bad but oh um, yeah but that got it up on the channel yeah it's up on the channel yeah (laughs) it was like november 30th and yeah it was was last year oh man but that particular area i boated in uh, I boated in the first time I hunted it. And then I, as I'm in the stand, I'm looking like, okay, where exactly am I at? Like, and I look and I see that there's a parking lot, not, I mean, it was a pretty good trek from a parking lot. It was a much longer trek from a parking lot. But the next time I hunted it, instead of unloading my boat and all that, I just parked in the parking lot and hiked it because mm. it was all flat ground pretty much. Yeah. So I was like, it's just easier to get out my boat. <laughs> right. Yeah. But is it, it sounds like it's worth it though for you. Like you, even though it is a lot more effort, 
you don't mind. Like you, you actually take the time to, yeah, to, to use the boat. I try to, yeah, yeah. And it is easier. Like on that particular hunt, it would have been much. If I would have killed that buck, it would have been so much more. It would have been a lot easier to get him out with the boat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it would have been closer. But nowadays, like when I kill a deer, and I whether I have a boat or not, and it's wherever I kill it, I'm going to like quarter that thing up in the field. Like you're mm-hmm. elk hunting or something. I'm not dragging anymore. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll hike tiring. him out in a backpack. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the clay Newcomb, the, the shock pouch method. I don't know if you've seen that where it, I, the, the arm thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where he like ties the, the arms together. <laughs> That's a pretty smart way to do it. Yeah. Put it it on, is. Like a backpack carried out. Yeah. Someone sent me one of those videos. I was like, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, no, that would definitely work. So for you, whenever you're like, you, you mentioned you, you try to go to a new spot every year and, and you try to go scout a new area and, and hunt a different place. How do you, how do you decide where you're going to go? Like, what, what does the process look like for you? That's a good question. Um, because the spot that I should have killed that stud late last year. Oh, I think it was it was rifle season was when I found it. Um and I was going to Oh, okay, this is how it went. So the day before rifle season, I went to the spot that I was telling you about that's like a mile hike way back in there where I killed my first boat in buck. And mm-hmm. it was the last day of bow season before gun season started. Okay. And I got to that spot actually and I I found human sign so there are some houses on the top of the ridge that might hunt it. And I found like one of those little uh, scent wafer licks on the tree, like, you know, the little white things. Yeah. And I saw some like empty bush like hands. They weren't mine. But they weren't yours. <laughs> I promise you. This, not mine. this time they weren't. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was bummed too. I was like, shit. I was like, I didn't think a soul hunted this. Like it was kind of a bummer. Yeah. It, anyways, long story short, I ended up walking in a like, it's hard to explain. I walked down into the river bottom and there's like some islands of trees within that river bottom. And it was like, I was, I was like, I'm going to take the long way back to the boat, scout some of this stuff. I've never been in it before. And sure enough, I walk up on a stud eight point, like a real tall, narrow racked eight point bedded yeah. up with a doe wow. on a tree Island. Like yeah. just, you know, maybe five acres worth of trees in the middle of a river bottom. And he was bedded up with a doe. Oh, wow. So I found that, which I'm going to probably maybe try to revisit this year. Um, never could get back on that deer. I set up on him, never came back. And then the next day was rifle season. So I was going to go back to that same area that same day. And I think I saw some boaters. I think they were fishing, but I just didn't want to disturb anyone. I got in late. It was already sun. Sun was up mm-hmm. and there were some boats. And I was like, I'm not going to hike all the way back in there and screw someone's hunt up. So I parked on the other side of the river from where I had been hunting before, and I'd never been there. And I just, I literally walked like all day. I just slowly walked the woods typically. And are you kind of still like still hunting as you go? With a rifle, yeah. Okay. With a rifle, yeah. I d- typically don't with a bow. The day before when I, when I spooked that long, I, I had my bow, but I, w- I kind of disregarded that hunt because my spot, I felt like my spot was compromised. Yeah. Because I saw the wafer. So I was just kind of scouting, really. Right. And I happened to run up on that buck. But 
gun season, yeah, I take a lot of time gun season scouting because I can shoot from whatever, you know, 200 yards. So I oh, just yeah. slowly creep through the woods. Mm-hmm. And I've walked up on a lot of deer that way without spooking them. But anyways, that's how I found this spot, just walking around. And um, I did see I did see some bucks, like, cruising through the woods I couldn't get a shot on. Um, so I knew there was deer there. And I kept going and kept going, and, and I found this spot that just – it it just felt right. Like, it, it was like this, um, I don't know, it was like a dried up creek bed. So it was kind of like open, like open timber in the creek. And on either sides of it were just like thick, nasty, like thicket, overgrown timber. Like, I, it's hard. You couldn't even walk through it. It was so thick. But in yeah. between them was this just little river bottom that was like just low. You could walk through it. And there was tracks just littered in that oh, river yeah. bottom. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't like a big thing. It was only probably f- maybe fifty yards wide. The whole little creek system. So it's like, like you're you're kind of describing an area where it's like they're basically being funneled because it's so thick on either side, and then you've got this like path of a riverbed going through it that yeah, they're just using that all day long. Well, my thought was like they were cro- my thought was the bucks were going to be bedding on either side of those thickets, and I okay. thought the does would be on one side and the bucks would be on the other. Some some something like that. Yeah. And I figured the bucks would be coming out of their beds, crossing that easy crossing into where the does would be bedding, whichever side it was, okay. you know, on the downwind side, whatever it was going to be. And the first night I hunted it, the way I was facing it, they the bucks were bedding on the right side. Because every time I grunted, a freaking buck came out of that thicket. Like, yeah. every time I grunted, dude, it oh was my God. wild. That's it was awesome. wild. And, like... That's how I found that spot. I, I'd stumble upon a lot of spots. So it's not like I'm always map scouting and like, oh, I need to try this spot. Like that, I do do that too. But yeah, a lot of it's just I stumble upon it. Yeah. How do you know? Let's say you, let's say you didn't like stumble upon a spot where you actually saw good deer and, and maybe you are map, map scouting. How long will you actually like, exp- like stay in a spot before you just kind of like give up on it or say like ah you know what there might be deer here but like i haven't seen anything are you gonna hunt it a couple times before you go or are you pretty quick to like bounce out of there and, and try a new spot i'm pretty quick yeah 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 i'm pretty quick about it just because there's so much land to cover like you know i'm not gonna like give up on a spot like if i see some deer like if i hunt it if there's buck sign there and like say there's like white oaks falling and i'm seeing some like buck poop and like some pretty fresh rubs i'm probably not going to give up on it super easy but like if i'm i wouldn't even really hunt a spot unless i saw sign and some sort of sign or if i knew they're they're like if i had history in that area yeah you know what i mean like the buck that i killed in 2020 or 2021 i there was no sign anywhere but i knew they were using it Mm. just because i had history there but Typically, I probably wouldn't set up somewhere unless there were sign. And if yeah. I hunted a time or two and I don't see anything, I might bounce and just maybe revisit it another year or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. kind of just go with the flow, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 We were talking a little bit about that um, before we kind of started recording. You, you've kind of, you've, you know, everyone's got their own philosophy. We were talking about everyone has their own techniques and philosophy for, philosophy for how they hunt, which is, which is so interesting to me because you know, you, you talk to some people and they're like, this is the only way to hunt deer. 
Yeah. Like they say it like it's the Bible. It's black and white and, and there's a right and a wrong. But then you talk to some guy and they completely disagree and they killed just as many good deer as that as the last guy. So it's always interesting. But what's your like general philosophy or do you have any like techniques that you kind of always go back to? Yeah. <clears throat> uh like I said, I'm I I go with the flow. I, I really do believe in like a gut feeling too. Like um uh you know, in a, a lot of the areas I hunt are different. Like I know our channel's called Hunting the Ozarks. Um and like some true Ozark hunting that we do is in Ozark, the big hills. And I feel like last year was kind of the first year I really dialed in on a spot that I started seeing bucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna kind of focus on where I'll set up. Like on I got, I'm going to try to find things that are similar to that, which was um, an area that was hard to get to. You had to hike up a mountain, and there was a cedar thicket next to some open timber by a saddle. Like, that's kind of where I'm going to focus because I noticed a lot of deer up there. Some deer might bed out in the middle of the open, but some, a lot of them are bedding in pine thickets or cedar thickets. Mm-hmm. It's just finding where they're bedding in those hills, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then at the lake uh, that I hunt in Missouri – like I said, I really focus on those transitions, um, whether it be even down there, whether it be like river bottom or like, um, you know, there's some like really thick, t- like open timber that's like thick underbrush next to like op- open timber, like actual open timber that you can walk through. And, you know, any kind of like edge transition, that's what I'm kind of looking for. Yeah. But other than that, man, no, like I kind of go with the flow. Um what feels right and where if if there's deer poop and deer rubs they're there somewhere yeah they were, you know they're they're somewhere it's just right. you gotta find them right <laughs> you just gotta be there at the right time i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it is uh it, i mean it's interesting like you, you talk to people and, and everyone's got their own their own style i i I feel like my hunting style is probably a little bit more similar to yours like go with the flow you, you kind of have a gut feeling i am I try to be a patient person. I'm not. I do. I hop around. I've, I've, two years ago, I switched to like the saddle, um, like hunting from a saddle and, and mm, like yeah. a really mobile setup. And so I do enjoy like hunting a new spot pretty much. You know, a lot of times when I'm hunting, it's, it's a new spot almost every other day. Um, and so I do hop around. Part of that is I'm ADD. I get bored. Like I'd like <laughs> to see new scenery and stuff like that. What kind of setup do you run? Like what, what kind of equipment do you use? Are you, pretty mobile are you using a saddle or or what do you go with yeah um saddle this year i'm working with uh i'm working with trophy line actually this year so they sent me this that's super heavy duty um i'm excited to get in it uh i was running a phantom the tethered phantom last year and i did a little bit of stand hunting with the lone wolf too i got one of those little tiny like the public land point five. It weighs like five pounds. It's stupid how small it is. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to run the trophy line this year and, and see how it goes. Um, I'm liking it so far. It seems pretty comfortable. So yeah, that's all I'll be and running. You, you primarily, do you mostly stick with like your bow throughout the year? Or do you, you kind of go back and forth? Like when it's rifle season, are you pulling out the rifle and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're going. Yeah. I love rifle hunting. It's fun. Like <laughs> yeah. I know everyone, that's like a, you know, People get so, like, religious about how they hunt. Like, only bow, only public. Like, no, dude. Like, we most actually, most of rifle season, I'm actually hunting private land, like our our family farm. Like, this year, my dad just bought a place up close to Iowa border. Like, there's studs. So, 
you bet your ass I'm going to be up there with a rifle and I'm going to no, kill yeah. probably stud. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're out not, of a blind. <laughs> yeah. You're not that loyal to like bow hunting. No, man. Like I'm just, I'm there to have a good time and like whatever's legal means to take by all means, dude. Like if it gets you out, like go do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like my buddy, one of my buddies just moved in town. He doesn't, he wants to get into deer hunting. Crossbows are legal. Go buy a crossbow. Let's kill some deer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Why not? Any, anything to get people out. That's something that, as, as we've kind of started the podcast, that we've we've learned there. Like there are just less and less people hunting, and and I feel like you do. It, it can be intimidating to get into it, especially when you run into someone who's like so, like oh, I only do it this way, or this is only the right way. And it's like, no, man. Like the fun yeah. of it is just like go spend some time in a deer camp. Go hang out around yeah. a fire. Go like just yeah. have fun. Buy if if you want to shoot a crossbow, like go for it, man. That's that's you know everyone's got their own own style and everyone's got to find their own way to enjoy it. So yeah, uh, we can't be so tribal within our own community, man. Like yeah, same thing with politics. It's it's the same thing. Like you just everyone just like let's just get along. Like if you want to go hunt public land, you want to go hunt private with a bow. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. as long as it's legal, go do it and go stop. Through bitching about people doing it a different way you know who cares who cares no (laughs) totally man i'm with you what about uh deer camp traditions i i just i'm getting excited thinking about we're sitting here early september and hunting season opens up here pretty soon um y'all have some some deer camp traditions or things that y'all that you look forward to every year yeah uh family deer camp first weekend a missouri rifle opening weekend a missouri rifle Uncle comes in, my brother comes in from Colorado, me and my dad. Before my grandparent or my grandpa died and one of my great uncles died, it was like a whole family get together. So yeah. that's always fun. Um, and we're going to do that up at the Northern Missouri farm. And then uh, we're getting a tradition going in Arkansas, Rutcation, which is like Rutcation? November. Yeah. Rutcation, like rut vacation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like the first week in November. That's when I killed my Arkansas buck last year was on vacation. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, we did that last year. And my buddies have been doing it a couple years in a row that I missed out on, but I'm doing it again this year and going to bring some friends from home. So, yeah, I'm going to plan on doing that every year, first week in November. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward for the season. It's going to be a good time. Um, I'll probably – I'm going to have to try the boat in access. I've got a little – uh, a little boat that I've got access to, and and there's a few spots on Beaver Lake. Have you hunted around Beaver Lake at all? No, I haven't done Beaver. You haven't? No. Yeah, it's there's some like Hobbs Hobbs State Park is on on the other yep. side, and and of course most of these lakes have that core of engineered land all the way around. So there's there's a lot of opportunities to get out there and and uh, find some public land to to go scout and go hunt on. And man, like just the the sheer amount of land that you can cover. You you could spend your whole life hunting it and never never cover it all. I'm sure. Yeah, it seems like it. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a absolutely. lot available. Absolutely. Well, Zach, I appreciate you you coming on and and uh, spending some time with me here. It's uh, I'm excited to to see some of your content as you get into the season a little bit more. Um, I hopefully you'll have some some big deer down to share with everyone here pretty soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Everyone go check out Hunting the Ozarks on YouTube. Subscribe, follow along. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. If you guys like this episode, make sure you let us know. Um, make sure you you share it with a buddy or share it on social media. And if you really liked it, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.
This podcast is presented by Inland Outdoors, hosted by Kyle Veet, produced by Daniel Matthews, and co-hosted by Kyle Plunkett, Adam Treese, and Josh Launch. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating, a review, and sharing it with someone in the Ozarks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.